Welcome to today's St. Paul's Church of the Voyager podcast. I'm Pastor Rob Fiesler, and I am glad that you are listening today. So let me begin again. If I were to name just two high points out of the book of Exodus, one would certainly be the story that we explored uh, last week, um, the crossing of the Hebrew people of the Yam Suf, which we have uh, always learned as the Red Sea, but actually translates as Reed Sea. We don't have any really good explanation for that, uh, but that is uh, the one high point. And then the second high point would be the giving of the Ten Commandments, which comes in Exodus 19 and 20. And I think it is worth noting uh, that there is a slightly different version of the Ten Commandments that's found in Deuteronomy 5. And the primary difference is significant. It is the reason uh, for taking the Sabbath. So that's worth taking a look at both of those. But before I read this passage for us, I want us to take note of the order of, uh, the, of, of these events, that, that God's saving grace the deliverance of the Hebrew people from slavery comes before the giving of God's law. And this is so important because it it reminds us that being in a saving relationship with God is a response to God's saving goodness. There is simply no way that we can merit uh, the gift of salvation And, of course, that's what we emphasize in the sacrament of baptism. Tommy and Emily uh, weren't magically transported into salvation just now. What we did is we celebrated what God had already done in their lives. I'm going to pick up where Todd left left off this morning in our reading, I'm going to read from Exodus uh, 19, verses 7 through 8, and then skip ahead to Exodus 20, verses 1 through 3, where we hear the first two commandments. So Moses came, summoned the elders of the people, and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded them. The people all answered as one. Everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. For many years, there was a frame, an empty frame, in the lobby of the courthouse in Pulaski County, Kentucky. It hung there as a testimony to something that had been taken away. The frame used to house the Ten Commandments. But in 2001, a district judge ordered the display removed, a decision that was later upheld by the federal appeals courts. 
according to the ruling, the public posting of the Ten Commandments violated the First Amendment that violates, uh, that forbids any law respecting an establishment of religion. Well, the removal of the Ten Commandments from any civic area never lacks for intense reaction. It reminds me uh, a, a couple decades back of the battle over Mount, the Mount Soledad Cross. And, and that's uh, a few years ago uh, in Spreckles Park when the church directory sign needed to be changed. Some say that a removal of such items is an outright attack on faith and values. Others argue that preserving such public displays is about preserving our national history, a history that cannot be untied from our Judeo-Christian mooring. Others say that we've got to maintain what Thomas Jefferson called the wall of separation between church and state. I'm not so sure about that, but many Christians, and I would include myself in this camp, believe that this separation helps ensure that religion does not become a tool of authoritarian demagogues, as has happened so often in repressive regimes. We see it most frequently in um, Islamic countries that are uh, trying to be theocratic. Uh, but the Russian Orthodox Archbishop, Patriarch Kirill, has been a proponent of conflating Christianity with Russian nationalism, endorsing Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. I do not think that Christianity can serve any nationalistic agenda, no matter the country. That is simply not what Jesus was about. And so the empty frame in the Pulaski County Courthouse raises the question of where the Ten Commandments actually belong. My scriptural answer is that God is much more interested in filling the empty frames of our lives than with the courtroom decor. As people of faith, God's grace frees us to live the Ten Commandments and Jesus' great commandment and uh, the fruit, to fill our lives with the fruits of a Spirit-filled life. Now, for some, any rules seem to curtail freedom. But any mature adult can see that the commandments are meant to limit, uh, limit the possibility of our free doom when we do not follow any such code. The commandments are meant to keep us from self-destructive and other destructive choices. We might think of the Ten Commandments as being two pictures. 
The Protestant reformer John Calvin wrote, God has so divided his law into two parts, which contain the whole of righteousness, as to assign the first part of those duties of religion, which particularly concern the worship of God's majesty, the second to the duties of love that have to do with humankind. So the first four commandments in Exodus 21 through 7 have to do with the worship of God's majesty. That's picture one. The last six commandments of Exodus 28 through 17 have to do with love for one another. So that's picture two. And of course, Jesus has them both in mind when he says that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Let's unpack that just a bit more. Looking at the Ten Commandments, the first frame uh, contains divine directives that instruct us to have no other gods beside the Lord, to avoid idolatry, to refrain from misusing the name of God, and to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. These seem simple and straightforward forming a clear picture of what it means to be in right relationship with God. Are they negative? Not really. And yet they do challenge us, especially when we find ourselves bowing down to the idols of Wall Street or Hollywood or to any political ideology that displaces God from the center of our lives. These four commandments can certainly be countercultural, particularly as we struggle to maintain a Sabbath in our fast-paced, over-programmed, and ever-accelerating 21st century culture. But these commandments are designed to help us, not to hurt us. We tap into a source of energy and security when we rightly worship God rather than any of the powers and principalities of this world. And we lead healthier, saner lives when we take time for rest. Worshiping God's majesty makes us stronger, not weaker. The same can be said for the second frame of the Ten Commandments. There's an enormous amount of guidance in these six commandments, though we tend again to rankle at any perceived limitation on our human freedom. So have you heard what really happened when Moses came down from Mount Sinai after a long day of negotiating with God? He was so tired, but the Israelite people were anxious to hear what what he had to say. And Moses said, well, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. The good news is I got him down to just 10 commandments. The bad news is that he will not budge on the adultery issue. And we can joke about the adultery issue. 
But we know the real destructiveness of adultery to marriages, to families, to communities. And Jesus even strengthened that commandment, later saying that, that to lust for someone other than our partner is, is sinful. And talk about the damage this causes in our culture where the, e, there's easy access to internet porn, and, and it's just truly devastating. So people talk about breaking the Ten Commandments, but it's more accurate to say that we break ourselves against the Ten Commandments when we don't live in reference to them. So no, I do not think our nation is diminished when the Ten Commandments are removed from public places where they're ignored anyway. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to insult any lawyers here, but, you know, a, a courtroom, do not lie. But we are diminished when the frames of our own lives are devoid of the spirit of the Ten Commandments. Our frames are empty when our lifestyles trumpet the gods of consumerism and materialism. Can you switch to the next slide there? And we'll just be going through each of these slides there. When we sacrifice our own well-being for the idolatry of material possessions, perhaps getting into enormous debt with unwise purchases, or perhaps when we overinvest in questionable uh, stock market and cryptocurrency uh, things. Our lives, the frames of our lives are empty when we present our own interests as being identical to God's interests and then attempt to legitimize our ideologies and positions by attaching a Christian label to things that quite simply are not. That is taking the Lord's name in vain. The frames of our lives are empty when we have no concept of Sabbath rest that encompasses rest for ourselves, for others, and for creation. Our frames are empty when we fail to respect our elders. Our frames are empty when we carry hatred and resentments in our hearts against others. The frames of our lives are empty when our relationships lack fidelity and integrity. When we take for ourselves what rightly belongs to others. When we pass along gossip, rumors, and innuendo against anyone. Even somebody we think deserves it. The frames of our lives are empty when we are torn up inside because of our inability to match or celebrate the successes of others. So again, violating these commandments can cause great agony. And to avoid this agony, God has given us the gift of the Ten Commandments. And not only that, 
the gift of Jesus' greatest commandment. And not only that, all of Jesus' invitation to live lives of discipleship, and, and we can put those where they actually belong, in the frames of our, uh, of our own lives, where they are prominently displayed. And trust me, that is so much more valuable than anything posted on a wall. Reminds me of the quote of St. Francis of Assisi. Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Amen.